Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I'm just overjoyed today to be visiting with Allison Absey, who is just an amazing human, a great educational leader, uh, and someone that I really appreciate taking the time in the midst of her busy schedule. We're going to be 100% transparent with this. It is August. Everyone knows how crazy August is. And Allison's like, sure, I'll jump on the podcast and share. And that's, uh, I'm very grateful for that, for your time, as we're going to talk today a little bit about your new book lead with collaboration that was co-authored with Jessica Gomez. And so welcome back to The Good Life. Thank you. I love The Good Life. <laughs> it's so, as you you know said all those nice things about me, Andrew, I feel like I could say all of those right back at you. And you just are an expert at connecting educators to inspire each other. And I've been able to benefit from some of your work. So thank you so much for all you do. Oh, uh, well, likewise, friend, because I, I know since our last podcast, there have been educators within our listenership, particularly within Nebraska, who reached out to you and gotten uh, the opportunity to connect and learn together and, and collaborate. Maybe there's our tra- yeah. <laughs> uh, transition to our conversation today. And so hopeful to do that again with today's episode. So that being said, lead with collaboration. Talk a little bit to the why behind your most recent work. Yeah, so interesting, like the history of this book is that Jessica Gomez, who is an exceptional educational leader in Southern California, she just finished up, I think maybe her 11th year as a principal or maybe 14th year, sorry, Jessica, um, but moved into a directorship and she is just rocking it. She's amazing. But we collaborated on a session for NAESP called Flipping the Script to Create a Culture of Collaboration During Staff Meetings. And I think Jessica and I have the passion in this area of staff meetings and utilizing them to create a culture of collaboration. And we didn't realize what the need is out there. And then we started researching, like, you know, we're, we're staff meeting books and they're like decades old, many of the staff meeting books that are out there. So we recognized that there was a need and collaborated over the course of a couple of years, um, just really I, I was telling you, Andrew, a story. I was working with a group of principals and I had a principal tell me, I usually cancel my staff meetings. At least half of my staff meetings over the course of the year, I cancel. And, you know, maybe my eyes went big or something in the, in the beginning, but I also understand that principals are busy. Maybe they don't see the value in staff meetings and staff certainly in that case, probably don't see the value in staff meetings. But it truly is when we're, we're not capitalizing on that time together, it's a lost opportunity to create a culture of collective teacher efficacy and collaboration that truly can move the needle with student achievement in ways that the majority of things that we focus on can't, just to be honest. I'm going to key in on that word, capitalizing upon these as opportunities. And I, when I th- think about how tough it must be to schedule and construct the agenda for such meetings. Uh, you know, as every year passes, it seems a new initiative, effort, support is uh, coming about in, in the best interest of students, right? I'm not trying to undermine any of those initiatives, but they don't seem to lessen in terms of number. And so those need to be communicated and maintained and continue. But then you also run into the issue of, well, if this could be an email, then why, why am I here? Uh, and so, so when you say capitalize, 
what are we talking about here in terms of trying to be sensitive to the needs of the room while also the responsibilities that are placed upon our school leaders? The biggest commodity in a school is the collective brain power of teachers and staff. And if we don't have an opportunity to come together and to share and collaborate, what a loss that is. And that's what I mean by capitalize. Because when we come together, you know, let's just give an example of a new initiative, like maybe a new reading program. And we need to disseminate some information, but we also need to collaborate around how is this going to look in our classrooms? What is this going to mean for our students? How can we support each other? What are some barriers to implementation that we can overcome before we even begin? Like, I mean, what are some materials we need? So there's there's so much we can wrap around an initiative to help it start successfully and start where teachers feel supported and they know they can take it one step at a time. And there is that phrase, you know, if if it could be an email, it shouldn't be a meeting. And I agree with that. And th that whole concept is, that's just like a sit and get. You just sit down, you listen to me, and then we say, okay, everybody go on their merry way, which is absolutely true. But I like to think about it, and Jessica and both of us like to think about it as if it doesn't involve collaboration, it should be an email. And collaboration, like if even with just disseminating information, if that information is going to cause big emotions, could it cause confusion? Could it generate questions? Well, then that information requires collaboration. We need to talk it over. We need to go through, we, you need to hear my voice as the leader saying what's going on. And we need an opportunity to, to be able to answer questions and talk through our emotions. So I appreciate that, but I, we'd like to just twist it a little bit and that if it doesn't require collaboration, then it should be an email. I love that take on that line. And that is certainly, um, okay, so now you've got me thinking as uh, we're going through this, then there's a certain level of vulnerability that it would ask of a principal or a school leader, whoever, whoever might be leading said collaborative opportunity to be able to have hard conversations where ideas or concepts are challenged. And, and there's probably a lot that goes into that. And so maybe, I don't know, at some point we'll pivot to the subsections of the book. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I certainly would want from the onset to recognize that that comes with being vulnerable in front of the entire staff. Yes, absolutely. It does. Like it's that whole concept of let's have the meeting at the meeting, not let's have the meeting in the parking lot after the meeting where we tell what we're really thinking. And when we, we set that up and say, okay, let's actually have the discussion in the meeting here, it does take vulnerability and we have to release defensiveness as leaders and really be open to the input. And sometimes we're going to hear things that we don't want to hear, but there are structures that we can put in place that support everyone with that level of vulnerability. It doesn't have to be a whole group discussion. It could be a small group discussion and they write down their thinking and you collect their thinking and writing. If it's not something that you want to have as a whole group discussion, as a leader, you can bounce from small group to small group. And that feels like much more manageable and less like a vulnerable position. And of course, Jessica and I included those kinds of strategies throughout the book that really support leaders. And how do I go from staff meetings that staff members dread to staff meetings that staff members find meaningful. Now, I'm, I'm not gonna, we're not under the illusion that they're gonna cheer when they go to school on a staff meeting day, but we can move in a direction where all staff find, or at least the majority of staff find the staff meetings 
meaningful and valuable. And I think that's a great segue for us to talk about the different sections of the book and break down what it looks like to bring that type of culture into fruition with, with your entire school staff for the betterment of the school culture. So I'll give yes. you space to talk about it. Okay. So the introduction is really kind of setting, like, what's the catalyst for change? Let's talk about what research says about collaboration, about collective teacher efficacy, about what that could look like at staff meetings and what that would mean for the entire school community. And then talking about what research says about how teachers feel about staff meetings currently. And I would say principals dread staff meetings, maybe even more than teachers in some cases, because either they don't feel like they have time to plan them properly, or they're intimidated by their staff, or they're worried about making it a meaningful learning opportunity for everyone. We hear this all the time. Like, how do I make the staff meetings meaningful for teachers who teach different subjects or teach different grade levels? So the beginning of the book is the introduction, setting the stage, but then we move into how do we plan for staff meetings? How do we set it up for success before it even begins? So one of the pieces is collaborating with teachers about the agenda for the meeting. What if we, a couple weeks before the meeting, include in our weekly update a note that a staff meeting's coming up. If you have an idea for collaboration, please let me know so we can consider including that in the agenda. Then, you know, like a week before the meeting, send out the agenda as a draft and say, what feedback do you have on this agenda? And then of course, there's a lot of guidance in the book about how to set up the agenda for success. So really, we know we can call our staff meeting agenda our BFF, but as a leader, it can really be your best friend in so many ways. And I would imagine that from a buy-in standpoint, if you have the opportunity to impact that at multiple stages along the way ahead of the meeting itself, then it's a little bit harder to push back against the segments of it, whether you chose to exercise your voice or not. And I would think that that would at least maybe help a little bit with the culture for some of our educators who maybe aren't as uh, excited about uh, staff meetings, or maybe as you're trying to turn a culture, for example, maybe if you're a new school leader in a building that you're trying to really establish the uh, environment that you'd like to see lived out there. And so, uh, yeah, any others in that kind of ahead of the meeting? Yes. Portion so we, of things? Yeah. we do talk about like thinking of the, the meeting space, like teachers would think of a classroom, like your meeting space is your classroom. So how can you set up the meeting space to optimize the collaboration in the the hoped outcomes of the meeting. So that could be whether they're sitting in table groups. Do you have them in assigned seats because you want them to sit with their teams? Um, Do you have some snacks? Do you have decorations? Do you have a theme? Just really thinking about how can we utilize the space to help create this culture of collaboration and set the meeting up for success. So that's another key part in that setting the meeting up section. Excellent. I would imagine movement and yeah, a number of those kind of yes. things. And two, I, schools sometimes have like department chairs, for example, or maybe I've seen lunch bunches where there's different teachers that can be some of those individuals that help give feedback or inform, right? So maybe finding your tribe that you would like to also yes. have as a committee that might support some of that thinking. Yes, yes. So like having a, a meeting to plan the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> But no, just really capitalizing on your teacher leaders, right? Like if you have a leadership team, go over the agenda with the leadership team to get to get their input. And then the other piece of setting the meeting up for success is what are we going to do at the beginning of the meeting? 
to help everybody be in kind of the, the right frame of mind for collaboration because they're coming in whether you know it's seven o'clock in the morning and they're they're tired and got their kids off early to daycare or it's after a long day of teaching they're coming in they're they're coming in with their own stuff so what can we do to just kind of all come together and get ready to do the kind of collaboration that the meeting is designed to do so that might be an energizing activity it might be a grounding activity it might be just a quick relationship building activity and we don't call them icebreakers because icebreakers have a bad reputation and teachers don't want to do fluffy things nobody's got time for that so it's really important to be transparent about the purpose of the activity when they first come in and if you have an especially resistant group to doing anything that would be like a kind of kumbaya camp kind of activity or feel the inclusion activity you have them come in and do could be tied to the content of the meeting what we really want everybody when they walk into the meeting space we want them to feel valued and seen and included immediately just like in the classroom we want our students to feel valued seen and included immediately we need to model that in our staff meeting. So whatever we do in the beginning really needs to be an inclusion activity. I love that because I have certainly sat in on 90-minute icebreakers. Oh, no. <laughs> dominate the morning and you find yourself at 10 o'clock going, I feel like we haven't even accomplished anything just yet. Uh, yes. And so, yes, making that tied to what you're uh, hopeful to collaborate around during the day sounds like a really great nugget that I'll take from that portion, in addition to all the other great ideas that you just shared there. So as we kind of then think, and, and in the interest of the podcast too, because I, oh gosh, we could sit here and chat about each of these sections <laughs> all day. I love this stuff. Um, let's move to the, the next portion of the book then. Where, where do we go uh, from here in thinking about this collaboration piece once that we have our mind around the meeting agenda and how we hope that it'll, how it'll go. So the next part is diving into the content. So the, the second part, and that's really like the meat of the meeting, what we want to accomplish, because we really want to have clear objectives for every staff meeting, every time we get together. So that could be, we're going to learn together. We are going to renew our thinking about maybe some mundane topics. So we have a chapter in there called Making the Mundane Magical, where we can think about like, how can we refresh our memories around our PBIS program or our handbook in a way that is engaging. And another chapter in that diving into the content is about problem solving, group problem solving and data analyzation. And every chapter is filled with multiple different strategies that you can just grab and utilize in the staff meeting. And then we have a website with additional resources. So we we might have like the PowerPoint already created for you, or we have handouts or fillable PDFs already created for you that you, some of them you can customize or some of them you can just pull right off our website and use them. But that diving into the content section in that chapter five is making the mundane magical. And that's a chapter that leaders have really appreciated as they're gearing up to start the new school year, because we have to do those things that go over safety procedures and, and handbooks. And we don't want to do it in the same old boring way. We want to recognize the collective wisdom that's in the room. Like we don't need to read the handbook together because many of us already know the pieces of the handbook. So how can we utilize that collective wisdom and, and share with each other and recognize what people already come in knowing? 
Well, before I, and I do have a follow-up question that before we get to that, let's quick plug the website so that folks know where to check that out. And you can certainly find it in the show notes as well, but. It's leadwithcollaboration.net. Love putting those uh, references right next to anytime we're talking about free materials that you should definitely access uh, and let guide your process as you go. In addition to the book, of course. Thank you. Um, but I would, as you're sharing that, I get to thinking too about uh, if I'm in, let's say, an elementary principal who might not have an assistant principal supporting me, uh, if making the experience magical is a little bit outside of my comfort zone, great to maybe lean into that. If it feels almost too much finding someone else, right? Uh, a school leader uh, that, who might yeah. be a teacher or someone even at the district level coming and support you in that regard. And I love at the secondary level when you tend to have a few other, whether it be an athletic director or assistant principals, deans, et cetera, getting together as a team and talking about your respective strengths and what you can bring and maybe delegating some of the roles that you just referenced out to folks so that it's the collective leadership lead. Like, is that, would you say oh, that's a, yes. a, a way to go about it? That, that's what I'm thinking as you're sharing that. Absolutely. Like, and, and Jessica is a master at leaning into the expertise and teacher leaders and utilizing, I mean, I love that idea of, even if you don't have an assistant, pull in a teacher leader and co-facilitate some part of the staff meeting or have teachers utilize their areas of expertise and guide the staff. And that absolutely is included in different strategies and, and ideas throughout the book. Yeah, because as you mentioned, there are a lot of things that uh, need to be revisited at the start of the year, but aren't always uh, the most entertaining topics uh, as far as content goes. Any any more suggestions, I guess, for that uh, segment of the book and what leaders might think as they're framing the, the content portion? Yeah. And, you know, the ideas that we have in there are not like putting on a big show. Like it's as simple as utilizing dice and questions to go through the handbook. Or, I mean, there's a, an activity that really just utilizes a manila envelope. So, I mean, I was a principal for 19 years. Jessica spent, we'll say 14 years as a principal. We know how busy principals are. And we just tried to make the activities like genuine activities that involve collaboration, but also really easy to implement and tried to provide as many of the resources as we could. Excellent. And then to get to maybe the third part and final, yeah. part, we can go ahead and spend a little bit of time chatting about that. Yes. The section is called Concluding with Clarity and Inspiration. And this is a piece that I really neglected as a leader. Like I, I would overplan and then it would be time's up or I'd be like, you know, overtime and just say, okay, uh, I'll email you a conclusion or a wrap up, a summary. Bye everybody. <laughs> Have a great day. Um, but concluding the meeting in a way that leaves everyone with clarity about what we accomplished understanding what the next steps are and inspiration. And like a super simple activity is just MVP. So at the end of a meeting, having everyone share what was the most valuable part of the meeting for you. Because that does leave us with inspiration. It leaves us with clarity about what resonated with each other, but it also implies that there's value in the meeting. And you're hearing from your colleagues, the value they found in the meeting. Those are some of those subtle culture shifts that are going to get big results as you move over the course of the next school year, if you really hone in on creating a culture of collaboration, utilizing staff meetings. Is that the MVP activity, for example, I would assume would be a little bit of a turn and talk, but then you could have as a share out yeah. collectively and pull three or four comments and that would help 
with the collective culture as people are saying those things out loud, but then also for you then as the leader to get feedback of what is resonating with people, right? Is absolutely, that- absolutely. All of the above. Yes. And then um, there's different activities about like, okay, after the meeting, then how can we follow up to make sure that it's not like one and done, that meeting's over, moving on, that we continue the momentum that was created at the, at the meeting. And just like you said, like you might have a small staff and the, everyone might be able to share out their MVP to the whole group. Or if you have a larger staff, they can share it in small groups and then then have a few volunteers share out what their MVPs are. Um, but as a meeting facilitator, it would be really good to get that input from everyone. So maybe they could write it down and then share it with each other and then you could collect them so that you really have a pulse of what resonated with people and and what they're leaving thinking. I... I think that is a great practice and a great suggestion because whether uh, you're in the rhythms of facilitating meetings, as you're saying, or you're, as a classroom practitioner, you understand how that goes. You overplan and you get to the end and there <laughs> is that missed opportunity sometimes to just really bring everyone. Uh, and I, you know, I'll even make this connection too. I realize I'm a little bit all over the place here. Zoom meetings are the same way yes. uh, in a lot of regards is that you run right up against time and then everybody just logs off without that conclusion uh, and so I'm going to challenge myself to start uh, to think about applying in that space as well. Well, and thank you for bringing up the virtual meetings because Jessica and I really tried to include little bits about virtual meetings and really many of the strategies can be applied to the virtual setting also. But the other piece, and Jessica is a really great role model of this, is that over planning, we are going to better serve our teachers if we under plan and give more time for talking about it, reflecting, planning on their own for their next steps within the space of the meeting. And we know we think we need to accomplish everything all at once, but it's going to be really important as leaders shift toward this culture of collaboration and staff meetings to think about how to slow it down and really elevate teacher voice. That leads me to a question then that I want to ask as a follow-up to this. What we've talked about today has been uh, great, I think, for framing a meeting and could be the way that you approach every meeting. What advice would you share with school leaders and the facilitators of meetings when we start to think longitudinally about efforts that play out over longer stints of time? Uh, does that question make sense? I guess that there yeah. are, feel free to, if if you want to run with it, or I can try to clarify more if needed, but. Yes. So, I, and I think what I'm hearing you say is we're not going to shift to a culture of collaboration and that collective teacher efficacy in one meeting. Like this is a, this is a, a culture shift that happens over time. And what Jessica and I in Lead with Collaboration are suggesting that you grab a hold of the opportunity that staff meetings provide to create the momentum and create that shift. But Jessica did a keynote in California And one of the things that she said in her keynote is that our life is a series of meetings. And I think every leader can understand that. As leaders, our lives are a series of meetings. And how can we create, in Jessica's words, safe and sacred spaces for collaboration in all of those meetings? So like that MVP idea, like wouldn't that be awesome to use at the end of an IEP meeting? Like utilizing some of these strategies in those smaller meetings also. And and Jessica and I are really thinking about our next step. The next level is really thinking about all of the meetings that happen 
throughout the course of a school day? And how can we utilize that time to the best of its ability? So just kind of branching this work out further than thinking about staff meetings. Absolutely love it. That, that's what I was, yeah. Yes, uh, I hear you. Pointing towards is thinking about the ongoing impact of being invested in this and starting to see it bleed into the other roles and responsibilities and uh, and really those as opportunities. And so that's yeah. excellent to get some insights into that. For more, you should check out Lead with Collaboration. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> we would love that. Yeah, so uh, I guess maybe it'd be a good time to, to get to a little bit of a call to action. Uh, and so the call to action would be to check out the book. Uh, where can they find it in addition to the website, Amazon, I'm assuming? and Yeah, yep. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I haven't looked yet to see if it's at Target or anything like that, but you know, we get all our stuff through Amazon anyway. So, or you certainly can visit our website and has a link to the book and get more information. And Jessica and I are uploading new strategies and ideas and information so if you see something that you want and it's not there, like you're, feel free to email us and let us know. We are, we're open books and we're just here to, to support this community and making this shift. And we feel very passionate about it. Uh, and appreciate you making the time and taking this as an opportunity to do that through the podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you we, for having me. Yeah, well, as we bring things to a close for today's episode, I just ask, it, again, it is August. What message do you have for our school leaders uh, as they're getting ready to start the year or educators broadly for that matter, wherever you'd want to go with it? Oh my goodness. I love you. I'm so thankful that you're, you're there every day for our kids. Um, I'll just say to school leaders and educators everywhere, you are exactly who our students need. You were put in the spot you're in for a reason. And just know that you've got a whole country community who have your back, even when it doesn't seem like it, we've got your back and just incredibly grateful for the work that all educators do. And, and I get to, to visit educators across the country now, and I see that last year was hard. This is a fresh start and I'm so excited for it. Me as well. We had our state level meetings about two weeks ago and the turnout was incredible. That's uh, really just been encouraging for the trajectory of all things as we get into this year. Absolutely. Feeling fresh and excited and, and ready to really lean in once again. So uh, yes. thanks for helping motivate us, for giving us some new ideas, uh, and for your continued support of educators across the, the country and, and really everywhere. So thanks, Allison. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy. 